getting to know people and getting settled in, you kind of wonder, how, how's it, I wonder how it's going. And when the song leader calls on the closing prayer before you even get up to preach, it's like, well, it's not going so good, I don't think. <laughs> Great singing, uh, so, such a welcoming congregation, glad, glad to be with you. You know what would be amazing? If everybody came back tonight and brought a friend with you, we, we double the attendance. You know how that works, right? If everyone brings one friend, we double our attendance. Do you know somebody that's lost? Do you know somebody that it would make a world of difference, not just in their life, but in eternity, if they could come to know Jesus the way you know him? Do you know him? Don't you love him? You know what I do uh, when, when I'm meeting people and I'm with a friend? I want them to meet my friend. I, I want to introduce them to the people that I love. I love Jesus. And I want other people to know him. Uh, let's in the most positive way that we can think of ways to invite people to an opportunity to get to know God, uh, to get to know his son, Jesus Christ. It's a terrible thing to be lost. Uh, we, we talked about that in Bible class this morning. What are the con if I'm lost, what are the consequences? I'm alienated from God. Sin separates man from God. Uh, I'm still valuable to God, but I can't fulfill his intended purpose in my life. I can't glorify God. I can't magnify Christ. I can't encourage other people, not if I'm lost. If I'm lost, I'm never going to see the beauty of heaven. Uh, I, I don't know that the, the beauty of heaven really is summed up in pearly gates or streets of gold. God's going to be there. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see God. I mean, what could be more beautiful uh, the, the passage that was read has this word reconciliation. It's a, it's a relationship word. Uh, some of you in your lifetime have, have been in a relationship that was broken. Somebody did something that affected the, the closeness, but you reconciled. You came back together again. And that's what we want. We want to have reconciliation with God. We want to be with him forever. Look, if you're lost, if, you're, if you miss the beauty of heaven, you, you're going to have to endure the agony of hell. In the last point in our class this morning, we talked about the fact that lost people are seldom lost alone. Uh, they usually take someone they love with them. And so then you start thinking about, well, if I'm lost, who's, who is to blame? Whose fault is it? And, and Gary even mentioned when he was introducing me, and it's in my outline this morning, that, that when Jesus talks about these two roads, there's no third alternative. You're, you're on one of two roads this morning. You're, you're on a narrow road that leads to life. You're on a, a broad path that leads to destruction. And, and if you're on the broad path, whose fault is that? See, we, we live in a, in a society that wants to blame everybody else. There, there's a lack of personal accountability, right? And, and so sometimes when, when we're lost, what, what we'll do is we'll justify our choices and, and we'll actually make it somebody else's fault, that it's, that it's not my fault, it's God's fault. God made me this way. He made me the way I am, and then he put all of these temptations in my path. It's not really my, my fault. I was hardwired to be the way I am, and I can't be anything different. I want to tell you this morning, that's not true. There are choices. And I hope that people, even this week, even, even as we have this meeting, and I loved, I loved the prayer this morning. It wasn't for my meeting. It wasn't for our meeting. It's, it's God's meeting. This gospel meeting is a chance that God has to work in our lives and through our lives to reach people that we love. 
And, and listen, what we're going to be doing this week is we're going to talk about, number one, it, it, if I'm lost, I cannot blame God. And, and I, want, I want people to see him not through someone else's filter. Well, a lot of times people know what they know about God because it's what somebody else told them about him. And a lot of people have a negative perception. Uh, have you ever been in a relationship with somebody that that you saw other people through their filter. I just had a conversation with, with my daughter recently, and she said, you know, there's this person that I've come to really love, but I used to have different ideas about her because I had a friend who told me all these negative things. I said, yeah, you were looking at that person through someone else's filter. They were poisoning the way you saw this other person. I think some have, have poisoned our view or they've clouded our view of God. God does not hate you. He loves you. God, God does not want to condemn you. He wants to save you. He doesn't want to curse you. He wants to bless you. God wants his best for your life. And if you're, if you're in a lost condition, you can't blame God. I, I want you to listen to several things that the Bible tells us about God. And one of the first things is that he doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to be lost. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slow in, uh, to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but, but that all should reach repentance. If you're lost, you know what God wants? He wants you to, to repent. He wants you to turn around. If you have walked away from God, he wants you to come back. In the story of the prodigal son, he went to a far country. He went far from God. He, he started living a, a reckless, wasted, riotous life. And, and then, you know what he realized? It's really good to be a child of God. And he turned around and he came back. That's what God wants for you this morning. And he's patient. God's playing the long game. Some of you may, may be away from God. You may have been away from God for a long time. He wants you back. And he'll wait on you. He'll work through circumstances and people to bring you back. But that's what he wants. In Ezekiel 18, in verse... Uh, uh, it's, sorry, uh, I think it's 1823, uh, do I have any pleasure? I want, I want you to hear this because I think some people, they believe God takes pleasure in their pain. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and, and not that he should return from his ways and live. So in that context, there are actually wicked people that are, that are coming back to righteousness. But there are also righteous people that are turning away to wickedness. And what God is saying is, I don't take pleasure in the death of anyone. I don't want anyone to be lost. I don't, I don't want to punish. I want to save. And, and so he says, turn and live. He, he wants wicked people to turn away uh, from their wickedness and, and to be righteous. He, he wants those who had previously been righteous. They, they used to be here with us, those kind of people that love God and serve God, but they turned away from righteousness and they went to started living in wickedness. He says, I want you back. 
You got verse 23 and then verse 32. Verse 32 says, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says, says the Lord. Turn and live. When people, when they die lost, when they had a lifetime to do something about that, and they ignored it, they kept putting it off. It reaches a point where they, they die in sin. God takes no pleasure in that. It grieves him. Because not only does he not want anyone to perish, he wants everyone, everyone to be saved. We probably all know some pretty bad people who've done awful things. God wants those people to be saved as much as he wants me to be saved. It's hard to, to get away from the language. First Timothy 2, 3, and 4, this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want just some people to be saved. Or, you know, well, he wants most people to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He wants me to be saved. He wants, he wants your family members. He wants your neighbors. He wants the people that you go to school with, the people that you work with. He wants everyone to be saved. Now, when I say you can't blame God, it's, it's one thing for God just to be distant. He's dwelling up there in heaven going, boy, I don't want any of these people to perish. I wish all these people could be saved and then just not do anything about it. But he did do something about it. He, he did something that is mind-blowing. He did something that is so radical. But I think because we've heard it so often, we've just become used to it. What, what we just did here this morning, we talk about gathering around the table. The gift of God's Son, that's a remarkable thing. The language of Scripture explains it. Uh, so powerfully in John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. How much does God want you to be saved? He gave his son for me. How, how do I know that I'm loved? How do I know that he wants me back? He made, he made this incredible statement at the cross. It's a, it's a remarkable thing that, that God is so interested in you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice to pour out his blood so that you could know the joy of salvation. The, the cross stands as the, the greatest evidence. Think about, think about your worst moments. Think about the things that you don't want anybody else to know about you. God knows those things. And sometimes the sin in my life, I think, how could God love me when I've thought this, said that, done something else? How could he love me? And if you ever question it, there's a demonstration. God says, let, let, me, let, me, let me demonstrate to you so that you'll never question this again. And it's from the passage that was read just a moment ago. 
for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but, but God shows, he demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. God, God doesn't say, meet me halfway. While I was dead in my sin, Christ died for me. If you're lost this morning, you can't blame God. God loves you. God gave this incredible gift, the life of his own son, so that he could get you back. In that parable, in, well, three really, somebody called the parables in Luke 15, three windows into the heart of God. You have a lost sheep, you have a lost coin, you have a lost son. And what, what happens when the lost are found? There's rejoicing. You know, rejoicing in the presence of. Just so I tell you, there's more joy before the angels of God, before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's verse 7 and verse 10. Bo both talk about this joy, this rejoicing. Th those passages should be on your outline. I want you to know the joy is God's joy. The, the joy is not just our joy. <laughs> it's not just the angels are rejoicing. The rejoicing's taking it's taking place in the presence before the angels. Whose joy is it? It's God's joy. You left him, but he's got you back, and that thrills him. He wants to be in a relationship with you. I, I wish we could get that, that message to a world that thinks that God is angry, that thinks that God is bitter, that somehow he's unloving or he's unkind or he's unfair. You know what's not fair? Justice is fair. You get what you deserve. Grace isn't fair. You get what you don't deserve. Y'all ever hear the story about the preacher got his picture in the church directory and told the photographer, that picture didn't do me justice. Have you heard that joke? He said, brother, you don't need justice. You need mercy, right? Well, yeah, you look like this, but um, I don't need justice. I need mercy. I need grace. If you're lost, do you know what you have to do to be lost? You have to reject the mercy, the grace, the kindness of God. It's offered, and you have to decide that you don't want it to be lost. If you're lost, you can't blame Jesus. And we're just going to read. Some of these passages are written about him. They, they tell us what Jesus has done. Some of these passages, Jesus is speaking, and he's issuing commands, and he's making promises, and he's extending invitations. And I just want, I want you to hear him. I want you to listen for his voice this morning as, as he speaks through some of these passages. In Hebrews 2 and verse 9, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor, because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. 
first uh, John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 my little children these things I write to you so that you may not sin if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world Mark 16 and verse 15 go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature great commission passages probably familiar to most of you Matthew 28 19 go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son the Holy Spirit Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest Take my yoke upon you, and, uh, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Translation that I usually quote from says, uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also now think about what we just read if you're lost you, you can't blame Jesus he tasted death for everyone I remember reading a story uh, a Vietnam veteran in he was standing, is it a granite wall, the, the Veterans Memorial, and that wall just has the names of people that died. They gave their lives in that battle, in that war. And they were going to interview him. And there was a lady there with the microphone. There were lights, and the camera was rolling. And kind of like you've got lettering here, he, he was tracing the letters in a name. And it was like he was lost in a moment. He was oblivious to the lights and the camera, even the lady doing the interview. He just kept tracing his finger across those names and whispering to himself, for me, for me. He died for me. We have our own memorial. We, we just observed and remembered. It calls us back. He died for me. Now, if that's all he had done, it's more than enough. But it's not all he did. We, we have an advocate with the Father. Where is Jesus? He's, he's in heaven. What's he doing? We have a song that actually asks the question, where is he now? He, he is in heaven. What does he do? He intercedes. He's praying. Do you ever think about that, that he's arguing your case before the throne of God? He's, he's wrestling kind of in, in prayer for us. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. We have an advocate. We don't just have a Savior who died for us. We have an advocate with the Father who intercedes on our behalf. Why did I read the Great Commission passage? When, when I say, if you're lost, you can't blame Jesus. Well, he died for you. He intercedes for those who belong to him. He sent his church into the world to find lost people. He, is, he has an army of believers that he has mobilized and, and, and he energizes. And he said, go find those people and I want you to tell them about me. And then, and then, he, and then he says, if, if you're under the heavy burden of life, of sin, of whatever it is, 
You who are weary and heavy laden, you just come to me. The invitation is not to come to the church. The invitation is come to Christ, come to Jesus, come to him. He'll give you rest. Isn't that great? We're not done. There's more. He's preparing a place for us. He he said that he's going to come back. He's going to get us and take us to be with him where he is. So he died for us. He intercedes for us. He's, He's commanded or commissioned the church to look for lost people. He's inviting them. You know, sometimes, sometimes people have to get sick of the life they're living before they'll consider that there's a better way. But when they get, when they get to that point where they're weary and they're just sick to death of what sin is doing to their life, and they, they, you know, some people say, well, God want me now. He's inviting. He's actually saying, come to me. Then he's getting this place prepared for us where we can be with him forever. If you're lost, you can't blame God. And you can't blame Jesus. And you can't blame the Holy Spirit. I have a baptismal certificate. Uh, I don't know why they wrote it in pencil. I don't know if they wanted to write, write to erase it and go back it's really it over the years it's become very faint it's very hard to see but but i can see the date is november 21st 1982 and so i've been i've been part of the the lord's church for over 40 years i've heard a lot of sermons how many of you heard about the woman's role in the church or why we don't use instrumental uh, music and worship or baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I don't think that I've heard enough about the Holy Spirit. You, you know, one way that, that we know we haven't heard enough is when people say, what does it do? The Holy Spirit is not in it. He's part, he's part of the Godhead. He's part of the personality of God. Who is he and what does he do? Well, you can't blame him. We're just reading scripture this morning and some of you may go home and say, why did they fly that guy up here to read the Bible to us? Because I want to tell you, what God says in his word is so much more powerful and so much more effective than any stories or illustrations or examples I could give you. Would you just listen? We're just going to read. But here's, here's how God introduces his spirit to us and, and tells us what, what the spirit does, uh, what he has done, what he is doing, and some of what he will do. In John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Still in John, but chapter 16, verses 13 through 15 However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
In Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. A lot of times people stop there and emphasize that, that incredible gift or promise of the forgiveness of sins. But notice, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, we're told that we're witness of the, uh, witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. First part of 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, listen to it, you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray uh, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with gro groanings too deep for words. Re Revelation 22 and verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say come. Now, uh, if you got an outline, I hope you did, I've tried, to, I've tried to include on that outline every verse that I've read about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, so that you can take that home. And you can spend some time not just, not just reading those passages, but praying about how wonderful it is to have a God like the God we have, to have Jesus Christ as your Savior, to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing in your life. Well, one of the things the Holy Spirit did is that he, he brought to the apostles, he brought them to remembrance of everything that Jesus said. And, and, and sometimes there are secular, um, oh, they're, they're, they're studying the Bible and they're trying to tell people, you know, they consider themselves experts and they question, how did these writers remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? How do they know what Jesus said, right, with a woman caught in adultery? How do they know when Jesus withdraws from the multitude and he's just talking to the disciples? How, how do they know all of these things? Because they're not depending on their imperfect memory. The Spirit brought them to a perfect remembrance of the things that Jesus said. You can trust your Bible. Now, the reason that we don't go beyond the things that are written, because not only did he bring them to a, a, a perfect memory of the things that Jesus taught, he also led them into all truth. That's what it says, all truth. There wasn't any truth that we need that, that he didn't provide them with. Now, during Jesus' ministry, he said, there's, some, there's more, I want to tell you more, but you're not ready for it. But when the spirit of truth comes, he, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's done that. He's He's brought the apostles into a memory of the things that Jesus said and did. He's, he's led them into all truth. This ideal of being sealed with a seal of ownership. God knows those who are his. You've been marked with, with his spirit. It's a guarantee. It's like a down payment of, of, of what is to come. You are God's possession. 
You're marked with his spirit. Can I tell you that, that there, there are a lot of things. I, I studied, you know, all kinds of stuff growing up in high school and health class. And there are all kinds of things that, that my body does that if, if, if my liver or my, my heart, my kidney, my lungs, if they didn't function according to God's design, I'd die. I don't have to understand how all of those parts function to know that they're, that they're doing their job. There's a lot of things about the Holy Spirit that the Bible says he's doing that I don't fully understand. But I can still can't take comfort from the fact that if God says he's doing these things, then he's doing them. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know how to pray? And you didn't know what to pray a moment where your 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 world just got torn apart I had a friend in college we had mailboxes student mailboxes she went to the mailbox had a letter opened it up it's hard for me to imagine anybody doing this but there was a woman who was having an affair with her father and he wrote her a letter to tell her that that was going on. What a devastating way to find out that something like that was happening. And they had, they had married student apartments and uh, I was very close to this, this lady and her husband and I remember getting down on our knees and praying. I mean, she had just, this, that was devastating to her and probably more tears than prayers. How does the Spirit of God function in a setting like that? He, he groans on our behalf, making utterances for us. He, he, he takes even those things deeply felt that we can't put into words, and he expresses them for us. I want to tell you something. If you're lost today, you can't blame God. He gave his son. And you can't blame Jesus because he gave his life. And you can't blame the Holy Spirit. He, he came to give us all the truth that we needed to know how to be saved. It's hard to say that last part, but if you're lost, you're, you're responsible. You're lost because of the choices you've made. And to be honest, it's Romans 3, 23, all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. At some point, I think there are three, three positions. You're either safe or innocent. I think, I think children are safe. I, I don't believe that they are born in sin and they're guilty because of a choice somebody else made the soul that sins will die children are safe but when you sin you move out of that safe place and you become lost and if you're lost you need to be saved you're in one of three positions today you're safe you're lost or you're saved now what do you do if you're lost we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen to Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we said this morning, it's in that passage. Death is a separation. 
Physical death happens when a man's spirit separates from his body. That's physical death. Spiritual death is when a man's spirit is separated from God. The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. There's, there's one command in the garden. You've got the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat fruit from all the other trees. You eat the fruit from that tree, you die. You notice they don't just drop dead. They, they die physically. That's eventual. What's immediate? They are immediately sent out from the garden. They lose fellowship with God. That's what sin does. That's the spiritual death that's being discussed in Romans 6.23. My sin separates me from God. That's what I earn. Those are the wages that we deserve. But notice there's a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's the wonderful thing. People people may have walked through those doors into this assembly this morning lost, but you don't have to leave the way you came. I love preaching. I, I love sharing the gospel with people. It is exciting to see the change that takes place in people's lives. There's there's this hope that that if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And you have an opportunity this morning to become something new. To to accept a free gift. And so, you see that question? Why not accept a gift? God is offering forgiveness. He's offering his grace. He's offering to forgive whatever whatever sin in your life disturbs you. I think we sang it. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. That could be your experience today. Now, we're going we're gonna to walk through some things in this, in this meeting. We're going to talk about why it's important to, to believe and confess and repent and be baptized. Uh, we already read a passage this morning that, that says Jesus sent... Not, not just to make disciples, but to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we've already read this morning from Acts 2.38 that people were commanded to repent and be baptized. And it was for the forgiveness of sins. And so that they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That could be yours today. God is offering that gift. Some people don't know what we're asking you to do. I didn't check it, but I'll bet that baptistry up there is filled with water. When we say, you know, that we're inviting you, we're asking you to come surrender to Christ. We're asking you not just to come and confess your faith in him, but to be baptized into the death of Christ, to be buried with Christ, and then to be raised up to walk a new life. That's the gift that God is offering, and if you want it, come get it this morning as we stand and sing.